correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve, and uh, well, I'm here tonight with Steve once again. Mm -hmm. How are you tonight? Tired. (laughs) Tired? Well, I got the flu and I'm tired. Uh Aha, that sucks. Yep. At least we're recording a podcast, so, you know, you can just talk. Yeah. <laughs> and and we're remote, so I don't have to worry about getting anybody sick. That's true. You can record in your comfy clothes, or not in your comfy clothes if you really want to, although I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's our podcast of the week this week from the D20 Network, Steve? Our podcast for the week, I have taken to calling it something that it's not. Um, you never... Werewolf the podcast. I like to call it Werewolf the app podcast. <laughs> yep. Werewolf the podcast is, well, it's a bit of a retrospective podcast. It talks all about Werewolf the apocalypse and various source books, etc. They actually just, well, I want to say the end of August kind of kicked into the revised edition of the game. And uh, as we record this, actually, Today, they dropped a brand new episode that is an interview with some folks about a Werewolf the Apocalypse-based board game that is apparently on Kickstarter. Neat. The game's called uh, Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliation from a company called, I'm guessing it's Flyos Games, F-L-Y-O-S. Cool. So, I don't know much about it. Didn't listen to the show today because I'm way too far behind in my podcast listening, but um, it's a good show. Uh, your main host is Josh Heath, who we talked to last year, and uh, it's a very, very good show, so give that a listen. There'll be a link in the show notes and all that other fun stuff. Of course, you could also go to the D20 Radio Network website, hit the podcast tab, find that, a whole bunch of other great podcasts. There's also the blog and all that fun stuff, so check that all out. Yeah, and while we're talking about the D20 Radio Network, why don't we talk about what happens here in April? Oh, yes, 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 because Phil and I talked about that a little bit on the episode that you weren't there for, and more concrete information has since come out, and will be, um, by the time this goes live, the Kickstarter for Gamer Nation Con 8 will be underway. What Gamer Nation Con is, for those of you who may not have heard talk about it before, it's a little convention that the D20 Network throws theoretically every year. COVID kind of put a cramp in that. But it is, as usual, in Dallas, Texas, actually Plano, but it's still part of Dallas. I know, um, like I said, the Kickstarter, I think, is we record goes live later this week. Yes, it's going live um, November 25th, which is this Friday. For you, it's going to be past that, but there will be plenty of time on the Kickstarter. And we might as well say it, me and you are planning on being there or are hoping yep. to be there. Yep. Um so that's something that we're excited for and hoping to see some of you down in Plano, Dallas, Texas. Yep. It's a four-day convention. What is it? The 13th through the 16th of April? Yes. Also, as at least 
as it sits right now, there is a pledge level where you can get a game run by one of us. Yes. I don't know if you knew about that yet, but... <laughs> I, I may not have, but I had a sinking <laughs> suspicion. <laughs> I had a hunch because I saw some names and I was like, I wonder if we're on that list. And then I was like, well, we're creator on the network. We're probably on the list. Yep. We have we have officially been added in that regard. But I think like if if you just want to basically get your, your get in badge for all four days, I think it's like 65 bucks, which look for four days. And I want to say... Friday, Saturday, Friday and Saturday, it starts at like 930 and runs till 2 a.m. Yes. So you're talking good long days of lots of gaming goodness. And um, also, I've seen GM Chris posted a preview video of the location. The board game library that is available for anyone in attendance to use is massive. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how to start describing it because. It's got to be 60, 70 feet of shelving, just chock full of board games. Yeah, it's very, very cool. And um, uh, Sam Stewart's going to be there as well. Yeah, that's um, another thing I'm excited for. Maybe we can get our uh, mobile recording studio figured out before then. Well, I have our old mobile recording studio sitting right here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah looking forward to that. Uh, that's in April, like I said, but uh, when you're listening to this, you know, go on to Kickstarter, search Gamer Nation or Gamer Nation Con. There'll be a link in the show notes, uh, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Well, what's our topic for today, Steve? Well, I've been having some, well, I have lots of mental free time, even if I don't have mental free time, um, because my brain usually refuses to stay as, as focused as I'd like it to. Mm-hmm. And one of the topics my brain wanders to frequently is kind of one of those, well, do you want to be, you know, do you want to have a go-to RPG system that you like to play everything in, or do you like this game for this and that game for that and, and all that? And it's kind of weird because, as you can kind of tell if you're a listener to this show, both of us are a bit schizophrenic that way. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. is, a, is a fair way to say it, right? Yeah, I would say that's... Because on one hand, it. you know, like Genesis, for example, I love playing in Genesis. I love the narrative dice, but there's other games that I have that I really love as well that aren't the narrative dice and they aren't even really like game systems that have any or not many other games in them. And it's like this weird where sometimes it's like, man, I wish I could just dedicate myself to one rule set. And then I look and I go, but then which one would it be? And what about all the other games I love? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know the feeling. And for me, I have, you know, a special place in my heart for Cyberpunk and specifically 2020. And as much as I love narrative dice, I can't be like, oh, well, uh, yeah, I'm just going to just going to jump ship on that and go to um, all narrative dice. You know? Yeah. I, I just can't. I can't do it. I think generic systems work really well when your premise is a lot less concrete. Okay. And and let me maybe refine that a little bit more. I was going to say, I'm kind of curious where you're aiming with that. So something like, let's say, um, how do I put this? Well, we both, we both played in a, in a, a pseudo stars without numbers game run in, in Genesis. 
right for a period of time mm-hmm. while that game had a defined world and everything was set it was like i said pseudo based off of the defined rules of stars without number pseudo based off of some of the own thing some of the things that the gm wanted to come up with and just creating their own story right and i think that's exactly where um that's exactly where your your generic system shine is i have this idea it's concrete in my head but it's not concrete in uh, like it's not concrete necessarily on paper or Mm -hmm. i have this idea and it's a book that i've read so it's concrete on paper but it's not translated into an rpg you know or something like that i think that's where that's where the generic systems shine but your more specific systems are and and you uh, you know you play your games however you want to play them but i think your more specific systems are and excel at doing the thing they were specifically built to do right mm-hmm. like we've talked before about dungeons and dragons and yeah you can play everything in D 5e but it shines when it's playing D. Mm-hmm. yeah well and i think that only makes sense right because a tool is going to be best at what it's designed for ah nonsense my adjustable wrench works great as a hammer <laughs> well but okay you can drive a nail just fine with a ball peen hammer, but it's not quite as easy it is with a claw hammer. Yeah. You know, it, it's, and, and that's even going very narrow, but yeah, you can drive a nail with a wrench if you really want to, but it's not as effective or as forgiving as using a hammer. Mm-hmm. And I think you bring up an interesting point though, because like for me, that is where I really love the narrative dice is for something where I've got a concrete idea, but I have things that aren't statted out for a game. And many of your dedicated systems, not all by any stretch, but many of them are much crunchier. You know, like, say, Mechton Zeta versus using the Studio 404 supplement Mechasis to do Mecha. Mm-hmm. Not that Mechton is probably the most crunchy system out there by any stretch, but it's based off you know, the cyberpunk engine, it's got some crunch to it. Genesis, not so much. But if you want to do something weird where, say, you've got alien technology involved in these mechs, so they have some, say, metal morphing capabilities or something. Yeah. If you're in a crunchy system, you need to stat that out in a way that works. Where in specifically the narrative dice or a lot of generic systems, there are what do you want to say? There are narrative tools or, or tools to kind of hand wave the things that you're really doing more to look cool than to have a statistical benefit. I think, um, well, yes. And I think also at the same time that that idea is true also depending on what type of story you're trying to tell, right? Mechton Zeta, and you were touching on this, you know, you maybe you want a little bit more complex. Mechton Zeta does more crunchy stories if you like uh if you like a um if you like your mech stories to have a little bit like if you like your mech stories to be more focused on driving the mech rather than the melodrama around it i think you're gonna have a better time with mech ton zeta mm-hmm. whereas if you like your mech stories to be around like if you're more of a a, a gundam fan where you like the uh 
you know, maybe you like a lot less of the driving or piloting the Mac and a lot more of the, like, we'll say geopolitical intrigue around that, then Mac Assist is going to be your system, right? Mm -hmm. Those are two very different, you know, it's the difference between, let's say, Pacific Rim, which has a lot of, this is how the Mac is piloted, and a lot of shots back into the inside and people struggling with piloting the Mac versus something like, you know, like I said, Gundam, where it's a lot of interpersonal relationship stuff, right? Mm-hmm. No, that yeah, I, I hadn't thought of it in that regard, but I think you're right. You know, is it is is your story about the world that the mechs are interacting with and the characters, mm-hmm. or is it about what the characters do in their mechs? And right. while that sort of sounds like the same thing, it's not. It's not. Well, especially, like, 90% of most most Gundam stories. Now, these are the ones that I don't necessarily care for, but hey, everybody has their own opinions. Most Gundam stories are about like political intrigue and struggle. And that's fine while all surrounding like, you know, mech combat battles. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Evangelion's a bad example of this, but like, let's say, I don't know, let's say Macross, right? Mm-hmm. Macross is a little bit better of an example of this where Macross is about like, especially in, and I don't know if anybody knows this, I used to be a huge anime nerd, but Macross Plus is my favorite Macross thing. And Macross Plus is about these two pilots designing the next and working to create the next mech for them to use in military use. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's really cool. So that's a little bit more about how the mechs work, how the pilots work, what they're doing, and less like a like a, a political intrigue story. It's less about who's making more money. It's more of an interpersonal thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I I feel like certain systems like Mechton Zeta would do that better than Mechasis, just because Mechasis is great, and I'm not saying anything bad about it. I think it's a really interesting add to the. Um, to the NDS, but it's very much more, I don't know with, with Genesis being what it is, it's, it's a little harder to get into the weeds with that stuff. It's a lot more hand wavy. Yeah. If you don't want all the weeds, right. I think it's there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and then, but then there's also like, say you have a really unique Mac story you want to tell. There are Mac supplements for stuff like GURPS. Mm-hmm. And there are mech supplements for other, you know, because arguably GURPS, and and I love GURPS. I think it's a great system. It is a more mechanically heavy generic role-playing system. Right. I, even even if you're doing your own additions to it, it's more it's more mechanically heavy. Right. Well, and, and that's... See, I have this, this thing with GURPS where I have semi-intentionally avoided it for two reasons kind of consecutively first was that i was a little leery of still heavily statistical generic ish systems due to some of my experiences with palladium because palladium is just not a well-governed system shall we say or has not been in the past see and what i'll what i'll argue with that is just to just to stop you for a second gurps is a well-governed system 
GURPS is a, a very well-governed system, and anybody that plays it will tell you that's one of the big things with it, is that it's it's almost annoying in the amount of of effort going into making sure that it is, you know, flushed out as far as mm. rules-wise, and not trying to be too... Like, it is confusing, and I'm not going to lie to you. I, I had a hard time learning GURPS for a long time, and then it clicked in my head. GURPS is a system that you only work with the pieces that you need. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if I'm right. building a mech story, I'm only going to be using the mech supplement and maybe like the core, right? Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, something like um, like Palladium, to my understanding, and you could correct me if I'm wrong on this. It seems like everything in Palladium is up for fair game at all times or is designed to be. It's designed to be theoretically compatible. Right. And I think with GURPS, you just, when you're building your game, you just grab what you need and you tell your players, these are the books that we're using. Everything else is out, mm-hmm. which is, which is really makes it a more manageable system. And I understand that that's the same way with like, um, we've talked a little bit about JT's podcast. Um, a Cortex. Cortex. And I understand people that like Cortex, that that's the same way with that. Now, I have a harder time. I just haven't gotten a chance to. I, I really feel like I need to have somebody teach me that system, but I still. I want to play it. I don't know that I, at this point, at least want to run a game using it. Maybe a defined setting game, but not a build yeah. my own setting. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, I derailed you from your from your thought process. No, no, that's okay. You caught me at a convenient break and actually kind of led me to my, my second half. Okay. Currently, I've I've more been avoiding it because given the way my personality tends to work, I've realized that GURPS, as you pointed out, does not suffer nearly as much from the, as I called it, the lack of governance that the Palladium engine did. And I think GURPS, if... I were to dedicate myself to it, I would fall in love with it. Mm-hmm. But to do so would require a large investment of both time and money to buy all the books that I would want, which would end up being like most of them. At which point I'm back to the, I've invested all this time in this. Now I want to play everything in this, right? which it's capable of, but and I think GURPS is probably, given my understanding of it the, from, you know, when we talked with um, Doug from Gaming Ballistic about it, et cetera, is much more capable of drilling into the specific aspects you want for a specific story than a lot of other systems. But then I have to do all the work to set that up where I can just pick up Delta Green right, or Cyberpunk 2020 or you know, whatever other game. Right. And I, I I don't know. I think my thing with GURPS is, and and I've said this, I would play GURPS and I would run GURPS. And I, I think I could really, I've, I've, as I read about it and learn about it, I think I could really delve into it, but I still find use and need for specific systems. And yes, it could be my favorite system. And I, I'm, open to that being the case but at the same time there's there is a a very specific care and love in my heart for (laughs) other systems you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. there are reasons why there's a reason why i'm talking about 
I want to run Cyberpunk 2020 and not Cyberpunk Red. And it's not because Cyberpunk Red is a bad game in any stretch of the imagination. It's that I have this, you know, I have this like history with 2020 that is, you know, it's, it's like reminiscing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like going back and 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 well, it's going back and playing a game that I cut my teeth on. It's what I what I wanted to play when I got into the hobby originally, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the whole reason I got into the non D and D side of the hobby is because I was like, I want to play this and I want to play it now. And now that I have the resources and the ability to, I'm all over it. Mm-hmm. And GURPS, yeah. Sure, I can run a fantastic, you know, gritty, grimy, dirty cyberpunk story in GURPS, but I don't have all of the tools that I have in 2020 at my disposal. Mm-hmm. I don't have all of the humanity. I don't have all of the the stuff that makes 2020 2020. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. I think GURPS is a really cool system. But yeah, for me, I know that there are games like like you said, Delta Green. When you want to play Delta Green, you're just going to grab Delta Green. You're not going to grab something else and try and run it because Delta Green does Delta Green best. Now, there mm-hmm. are some cases that I feel that the original game doesn't do what it set out to do anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So we've talked about, I think, specifically in the heroic fantasy genre, right, with, with Dungeons & Dragons. I think Dungeons and Dragons doesn't do, at least for me, it doesn't do what it was set out to do anymore. No, it's it's kind of become a creature to itself, I think. Right. And I think if I want to sit down and play a heroic fantasy game, I'm going to grab something else. Whether that be an older edition of that game or something completely different, like Pugmire, right? Which is the mm-hmm. D&D that you remember, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, you know, I love that description of that game, too. <laughs> I know. I know. I do, too. But that's sort of my point, though, is that, like, yes, 5e is is a very good system and it's its own beast in and of itself. But I don't know. In my opinion, I think you can there's things you could argue that do that, but better. Probably. Uh, well, but it's kind of like, yeah, I remember you got to play. 2020 at the Pittsburgh Gaming Expo. And I remember afterwards you were talking to me and you said it was like an old pair of shoes. Yeah. Well, and that's that's exactly what it is. It's it's it was, this, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It, it, like you said it it's it's that old pair of shoes, it's that comfort, it's that nostalgia, it's that and look, I mean, we're both very much fans of that system and I think one thing that that system did exceptionally well. And I think where it was very much ahead of its time was how much just in world attitude and, and presence the books were written with. Oh yeah. You know, like, and I'm not saying that to knock even against red, but red doesn't to me have quite the same swagger. Yeah. It's a different kind of punk. I think I think part of that though is also that I don't know, and I don't know, I I don't want to say this to be disrespectful to anyone, but like when 2020 was coming out, we had authors like William Gibson, and it was the height of the punk movement, right? It was the height of the height of 
actual punks and we see that reflected in the game we see how the rocker boys look and they are actual punk right like they're actually Mm -hmm. these like grimy greasy you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. and now the term punk is such a diluted thing and i'm not saying i i i don't want to offend anyone but if you tell somebody you're especially music right if you sell somebody you're a fan of punk music they're gonna ask you like a handful of questions oh do you mean pop punk do you mean you know x do you mean y do you mean z are you talking about basement stuff are you what do you what what does that mean to you Mm -hmm. and it's more diluted now than it was then for better or worse right and cyberpunk itself has changed as a genre to be more diluted now than it was then right then you had i mean you still have these books and they still exist but cyberpunk as the idea has has really shifted to a more where it was dystopian it's shifted to a more uh we'll call it an apple dystopian right like when I say, you know, like an Apple store, I don't even if you haven't been in one, they're pure white. They're like they're sterile. Mm-hmm. And I we see a lot of we see a lot of um cyberpunk sort of going in that sterile direction. A lot of cyber, you know, and I think red plays into that some. Yes, it still has its gritty and grimy nature and yeah, you're still going to have those, you know, you miss a payment on your arm and they're going to come take it from you. But some of that is, is dilute more than it ever has been. I think that's reasonable. And, but you, and it's almost like, and, and there always has been this kind of, what do you want to say? Part of, part of cyberpunk is that sort of class split, right? Right. It's us versus them. Right. And, and I think the, this, it's almost like the split in demolition man. Mm-hmm. where you have the civilized world and you have Dennis Leary and crew. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did you see any cows down here? <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. I'm sorry. That's like, I haven't my... watched it in a while. I do like oh, it a lot man. though. Yeah, whenever you talk about Dennis Leary, I just remember the scene where they're down in the sewers and she's like ordering a burger and he just looks at her and goes, do you see any cows down here? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, now I remember it. It's been a while. Um, But like, and I think maybe that's where some of my, I see cyberpunk as the Dennis Leary side. Mm -hmm. Fighting against the top side. And where a lot of, say, Shadow of the Beanstalk is people on the lower level of the bottom side fighting against the high bottom side. Or the high top side, rather. You know what I mean? Right. And and not that either one is more valid than the other. It's just a matter of perspective and taste. Right. I see. I I see a couple things, and and I respect anyone who likes Shadow of the Beanstalk. That is mm-hmm. not my jive. I, I'm just going to straight up say it. After having talked to somebody who is a massive fan of that, after talking to many people who are like, "No, you're missing the point." I went back and reread it. I. I understand it. It's not for me. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it has the grit and the grime. You're right. You can get there. But I think ultimately, does it make sense to say that 
again, to go back to the Demolition Man analogy, you're playing Stallone in Shadow of the Beanstalk, where in 2020 you're playing Dennis Leary. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that's exactly it. I think in, in Shadow of the Beanstalk you're playing, you know, I don't know, it's hard to quantify. It's, um, and I, I, I understand, I, I'm not trying to invalidate anybody's opinion. And I, I get, you know, you like what you like, I like what I like, and we can, we can disagree on things. But for me, especially with Shadow of the Beanstalk, I feel like it's almost, uh, and I don't want to say it this way, but I'm just going to say it because it's just how it's in my head. It's almost a kid's version of cyberpunk. And that's not me saying it to be like degrading in any way. It's, it's like, um, yeah, there are complex themes there, but I could see it more akin to a, a cyberpunk Saturday morning cartoon. Whereas I look at shadow of the beanstalk or I look at, at Cyberpunk 2020 or Cyberpunk Red as Aeon Flux, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like there, there, there's a big gulf there, right? There's a big difference between a, a Saturday morning cartoon versus the absolute adult animation and adult themes of, like, Aeon Flux or, um, you know, any of those MTV block cartoons, a lot of, you know, just different cyberpunk media in total that get into the grittier, harder things versus like, you know, a ghost in the shell. Well, ghost in the shells on the darker side, on the heavier side, maybe more. I don't even know how to, what I can point to. Yeah. No, I, I wonder too, um, because a heavy element of especially 2020 is the kind of retro futurism. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's set in a near future setting, which in the case of 2020, we are now there. Right. And I wonder if that sort of imagined future just feels, and you know, you're obviously a bit younger than me, not a ton, but you know, what, 14, 15 years, something like that. Yeah. But, but that, that frame of reference may feel different for different people because of, you know, when our, our actual age is what we grew up with. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. And I I wonder if that has also, I'm sure that has also affected what is considered cyberpunk. Right. I'm, I'm positive. Yeah. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I'm a bit of a weird old head when it comes to media. Like I, my girlfriend likes to pick on me, but, I generally watch movies that are older than the past decade, right? Mm-hmm. I generally consume media that is older than 10 years old. You know what I mean? Older than like I am most of the time. Mm-hmm. For example, this past weekend, just for a lark, I was like, well, I want to watch a movie. So I turned on the Royal Tannenbaums. That was a movie that came out in 2001. I was, you know, what I have been eight years old. When mm-hmm. that movie came out, I, I, I had no, like, I have very little frame of reference what the world was like in 2001, but it's a movie set in the eighties. But, and then also, you know, I consume books and I, when I read, I read stuff like Philip K. Dick, William Gibson, Robert Heinlein, uh, Isaac Asimov. These are all authors, you know, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I consume media that's older than I am. So I wonder if, 
some of that is like you're saying it's a it's a cultural or an age divide where it's people that are consuming media and and consume things that are around their age group and get that frame of reference from that which is possible i think that's potentially part of it i mean i don't know and then, and then like i there's just yeah it's and i think you know to spin back to a little more game mechanics thing i think ultimately for me I think there are things that are done mechanically better in red than, than 2020 by a good margin. I think a lot of the shuffling they did with the, like the, the class abilities and all that is objectively much improved in red. Well, there's a big elephant in the room that we can point right to that we've, we've been parading around. I mean, it's, it's in total, the entire, um, entire net running system that they changed from 2020 to red is notably better. Mm -hmm. And I, I, everybody that plays 2020 acknowledges that net running is not impossible, but unrealistic. Well, when it comes to actually keeping player involvement and keeping player engagement up. That I think that's a fair criticism. But I think that also needs to be, I don't know, maybe cut with the realization that Cyberpunk 2020 was published in the late 80s. Right. We we had no frame of context what that would look like. I understand that. But I think there are also around the same time you can point to you can point to film and media that tried to predict what that would look like. Mm-hmm. And... I think the way they executed it in 2020 was interesting. I understand where they're going for it now that I'm older and I've read it. Well, I've freaking read that book almost every year, but there are things about it that it just, I don't understand. Like I've joked before about, I think the only person that truly understands the net running in cyberpunk, cyberpunk 2020 is Mike Pondsmith. And there's maybe a handful of other people that have a firm grasp grasp on it. But I think it's just a, like you said, I I think it's just an interpretation and yeah, you know, hindsight's 2020, but I still feel like there was things, there was media out at that time that they could have pointed to and been like, well, maybe we make, you know, maybe we make this more like this. That's fair. I think, or at least put out a supplement like splat books were all the rage with 2020. Put mm-hmm. on a splat book that amends net running, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, I know they did the Brainware Blowout book, but I think that was more just supplements to the existing thing, not a revision in any way, right? But I think too, I don't. I think a lot of us, at least when I played it back in the nineties, I don't think like the hacking stuff was a neat thing, but that wasn't what we wanted to do. You know, we no, want it I, to be I, the I, run and gun, the heists, the yeah. And I, I don't, I'm not, I'm the same way. I think a lot of that game is run and gun and heists, and every time I've run it or played in it, it's usually been like, okay, well, um, if we're gonna have a hacker, we're just gonna NPC them, and that way I don't have to. That way nobody has to worry about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And you basically end up playing an escort mission because it's like, well, you don't actually have a player at the table. You have an NPC that you've hired to do that work. Mm-hmm. 
which is whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I it is what it is, right? Yeah. And and that is a solution to that problem. I mean, I I, I don't want to discourage anyone. That's a great solution to that problem. Very much so. But back to I think where we got off into the weeds, we started having a discussion about cyberpunk. Uh and and yeah, back to where we were, you can see the difference between like in just how granular we're talking about cyberpunk versus how broadly we're talking about Shadow of the Beanstalk, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between a specific system and a generic system is that, yeah, you can get into granularity with it, but a lot of the times the granularity is what you create. Right. And not to be disrespectful, when I love the, the GMs that take the time and make the super, super complex, super granular systems and, and settings, but a lot of times, a lot of us don't have the time to put into that. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. A lot of us don't have the time to put into that world that it would it would take to justify making an entirely like a, a an incredibly granular story setting for a generic system. And that's not again not faulting anyone who has that time and has the drive and energy to do so. And there are you know there are GMs that I'm amazed at the time they find. But I know for myself and where I'm at in life, I, I don't have the time. I'll grab a system and be like, okay, I like this. We're just going to play in this world for a little bit because I don't have the time or the energy to put the effort into the setting that I want to. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think, too, you, you kind of hinted at a point in, in what you were saying there where I wonder, too, if some of this comes down to what genres or settings specifically interest each, you know, you as a player, so to speak, right? Right. Like, we're both pretty passionate about cyberpunk as a genre. You know, I brought up Delta Green, but Delta Green, for me, was also one of my very early gaming experiences, although at that time it was a Call of Cthulhu supplement on its own system. But it's it's those settings... And and I would point to those two as, or or even Call of Cthulhu as well, to make it, say, three systems, where I feel like those dedicated systems do it much better than a generic system would. But I wonder if that's my frame of reference because of my my formative gaming and my interests, where, let's just say, someone who is very passionate about fantasy gaming you know, well, they, you know, we need to use, you know, Dungeons and Dragons second edition just to pull a name out of the hat, right? Mm-hmm. Because that does what I want to do the best. Okay, for for that person or those people or whatever, it probably does. And And you said it, you know, we're not trying to say anyone's wrong in what they think is the best for something. But I think, you know, maybe the, the kind of answer to our, our question about, you know, do you want a dedicated system or a generic system? Maybe the answer is in some ways, yes, but we, some of us want dedicated systems for certain things and others want the dedicated systems for other things. And you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know how to wrap it up. I think depending on the type of GM you're trying to be, you need to have it. it, If you don't want to be, if you want to be a specific, you know, I only run X type of games, 
then okay, great. Then you only run one system and that's fantastic. We know a lot of people that really only want run one system and that's fine. But if you want to be an all around utility GM where you can sit down at a table, drop on a table, something for anybody, you need to have a grasp and understanding of different systems and what they do and how they work and how to play with them. Mm -hmm. And that's my opinion. And I, I've been wrong, but I feel like that is part of our conceit is like for us, I know for me especially is not knowing every system in the world, but having a bag of tricks, having a bag of or a handful of having a handful of, okay, I sat down at the table. We talked about the game we want to play. They no longer really want to play that cyberpunk game, but they definitely want to play a, you know, let's take our star Wars game that we're playing in Wednesday nights. Right. Mm -hmm. That game was originally supposed to be a mashed game. Mm -hmm. uh, we came to conclusion that that was a little too heavy for the table. Okay, fine. We're going to tell a star Wars game because kind of the same, but different, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, it's a, it's a ragtag group in a situation. They either did or didn't want to be in themselves. Right. It's one of those things where being able and being flexible to go, and say, I, you know, I sit down at the table and I pitch a Cyberpunk 2020 game and the table goes, oh, but yeah, I, I more thought of this or I more thought of that. I want to play, you know, versus like rather than let's play Johnny Mnemonic. Somebody says, I want to play the net with Sandra Bullock. Well, that's mm -hmm. a different system. I'm not running 2020 to play the net. <laughs> I'm sorry. That movie is terrifying. <laughs> I still say that is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Really? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Didn't no, mean to distract, but... but... <laughs> no, but you know what I'm trying to say, though, right? Like, Johnny Mnemonic's a very different story than than the Nat, right? Oh, yeah. And so I'm sort of sitting there going, well, I guess we're not playing 2020 anymore. Maybe that's a, you know, that might be a, a better suited for Android or Shadow of the Beanstalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, that might be better suited for, I, I don't feel know. like that could work really well in some sort of gumshoe. Yeah. That's what I was even thinking. I was going to say Knights black agents even may I, I, I need to read that. I've got an idea for that. And I really need to read that. But even like apocalypse world, like a power by the apocalypse type game would work mm -hmm. for that. But you know what I'm trying to drive at here though, is right. if you, if you want to be a more well-rounded, if you want to be a more universal gm i feel like having the tools in your bag is necessary understanding that not every table is going to want to go with the idea that you had and being able to go to something else is a useful skill just mm -hmm. all around yeah or even to borrow concepts from some of these other games to use in your system of choice Oh, yeah, I've stolen a lot of things from other games just because I don't like how this works. So we're going to do it this way, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, and do you have any more thoughts on this? I don't know. I, I It was sort of an open-ended topic when I brought it up. And I, I feel like we went a lot of places and there's probably a lot more places we could go. But I don't know that we need to either. Maybe we'll put it out this way. If you want us to revisit this topic in the future, leave us a comment on the podcast. Yeah, you can do that. Come to the Discord. Yeah, come to the Discord and tell us that, you know, we need to revisit that topic and talk about this. Or 
If you have somebody you want us to talk to, you want to hear an interview with somebody, feel free to stop over on our Discord. Send us an email. Mm -hmm. All of those things are in the show notes, as always. And with all that being said, I think it's time for Game of the Week. Woohoo! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! Game of the Week! I'll go first, if you don't mind. All right, let me find my pen here to write things down. Where did I put it? There it is. I'll actually be sending you a link because my game of the week is not on drive through this week. Okay. My game is from Happy Jack Games, and it's called The Crypt Has Opened. Okay. And um, the basic premise of it is that there was a crypt holding cryptids that has now opened. The world is stuck in a perpetual state of the 1990s. A lot of the world has collapsed because of this. It is a post-apocalyptic game with cryptids. Okay. Basically, the floodgates have opened, and now every cryptid that could exist is now free to roam the world and has trapped us in a, a perpetual state of the early 90s. This sounds really fun. Yeah. Um, I've been following Happy Jack Games on TikTok for a while now. I would love to have the creator on to talk about this game. But as of right now, it is name your price on itch. It has an SRD, a form fillable character sheet. Everything is there. You could try to play this. Everything looks really great. The book is really well laid out, well annotated. I would like to point out the art is cool of what they have so far. And... It uses the um, imposter dice system, which I'm not, sh I'm not, uh, I'm not as familiar with. But you know, no, but yeah, no, the art, like you were saying, is very '80s, '90s black and white RPG art. I'm sorry, not, uh, not imposter, imposition. Okay, imposition dice system. Okay, um, a very interesting game. Definitely yeah. something that I came across and was waiting was waiting and then they dropped the srd and i grabbed i i was like okay i'm gonna go pick this up now and i've been forgetting to bring it up on the podcast but it's very cool no very that does, interesting does look really cool it was not at all what i was expecting from the title no it's kind of like yeah it's a different kind of thing right mm -hmm. but yeah definitely go check that out on itch mm -hmm. and that is the crypt has opened yep all and right what do you got, Steve? I'm going to go uh, maybe a little bit off of my normal beat. Uh, found a game on drive-thru. Actually came out, I guess, technically last year. Uh, but it's a game called The Broken Cask. So what The Broken Cask is, is it's a solitaire, in-keeping role-playing game. And as the listing says, well, what in the world does all that mean? <laughs> so I'll read the next couple sentences. It says, it means your dining room table covered in papers and charts. It's slinging dice to find out what happens next. It's hoping that slow coach cook of yours can get the next meal out in time for a hefty tip and wondering who will come through the door next. <laughs> and it just sounds like the it's on drive through The PDF's 10 bucks. You know, it says you create your innkeeper, innkeeper persona, you hire staff, you know, expand your inn, trade at the market, you know, even send, you know, heroes on adventures. You know, it's a whole bunch of like random tables to generate events and then, you know, rolling to see how you and your staff handle them, keep track of things in like a log and all this. Right. And it, 
it sounds kind of goofy and kitschy, but in a really fun way. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. I, I could probably sink my teeth into that. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it's it's 10 bucks for the PDF. There is a free preview, and there's even a reference screen, which I, I mean, it's three bucks, so, you know. But, yeah, it just, I don't know. Like I said, it, it, it I mean, the art is, at least what they have up on the drive through listing, isn't anything spectacular, but it kind of fits. Uh, it just looks fun. Yeah, that sounds fun. And what was the name of that again? The Broken Cask. Here, Broken I'll send cask. you a link. Whoop, okay. hang on. Let me click the right things. All right. Well, any other thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. With all that being said, we want to thank everyone for listening. As always, links to everything are in the show notes. And I want to thank everyone for listening and remind you all to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Check out the Gamer Nation Kickstarter, all the other fun stuff, and uh, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at andrpgs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you, and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. All right. That was successful. Probably had it down <clears throat> short, a little short, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, well, it, whatever. Well, we kind of went a lot of deep places <laughs> there, too. Yeah, it was a heavy episode, even though it, it wasn't, <laughs> you know, in a weird way. Yeah. I, uh, I'm losing my voice in case you hadn't noticed. I noticed you, uh, kind of coughing and hiccuping a little bit. Well, both of us were a little bit, but yeah, I'm, I'm starting, it's starting to go. That's why I'm getting like deeper and quieter because I'm like, it's going. <clears throat> What the hell to call this? I don't know. All right. Well, I'm going to get off here and go take some medicine and relax for the evening. Okay. I'll catch you later. All right. Take care.